Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 161 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to start a mini-series looking at how to study the Bible. Let's dive in. Well, over the next couple of weeks, I want to start a mini-series looking at how do you study the Bible. Now, we've looked at this in the past on the podcast, but it's actually been a couple of years, and I thought it would just be a great refresher as we head into the summer of just what are some basic principles that each of us need as we come to the Word of God and really seek to know Him, not just to know about Him, but actually to know our God. Well, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 24 is what I want to focus on today. In Luke 24, Jesus has risen from the dead and And of course, the disciples are kind of trying to figure this whole thing out. And it's interesting, as you start in verse 13 of chapter 24, there's these two disciples who are heading on their way to a little village called Emmaus. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they're walking along, this gentleman shows up. Now, we know the backstory. We know it's Jesus. But they don't recognize him as Jesus. Of course, he sees their downtrodden faces and says, well, hey, what's, what's going on? Why are you guys so sad? And of course, they ask the question, well, (laughs) haven't you been around Jerusalem? Don't you recognize what's been happening in these days? And of course, he says, well, what's, what's going on? And of course, they begin to explain that the one they thought was the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, well, he was hung on the cross and he was crucified and, and all the hope that we place within him has been removed. And, and not only that, but there were some that even went to the tomb and found it just as the woman has said, it's empty. And we have no idea what's going on. So I love what Jesus does here in the passage. <laughs> he starts to talk to these two disciples. And of course, he says, you know, he says in verse 25, O fools and slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Messiah, the Christ, to suffer these things and to enter his glory? And it's, it's interesting. Of course, they're, Jesus is poking at the fact that here they are, they... They're pondering this idea of, well, we have no idea what's going on and where's our hope and, you know, how are we going to survive at this point? And yet Jesus tells them, do you realize that the prophets have already spoken about this? You should know what is going on because the prophets have kind of foretold and revealed all this even before this point. 
Now, look at verse 27. This is so profound to me. It says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So for this seven-mile journey, Jesus goes back into the Old Testament and begins to walk them through the Old Testament saying, do you see that? That's about the Messiah. See that? That's about the Messiah. And he literally begins to walk through the entirety of their scriptures, the Old Testament, revealing himself to them. Now, I wish I could have been there. Do you know how marvelous it would have been? <laughs> Just honor this. Do you know how incredible it would have been? to be walking alongside with Jesus as Jesus opens up the Old Testament and reveals himself. One of the things I consistently tell the students that I teach is that the entirety of the Bible is focused on Jesus Christ. In fact, it's one of my favorite topics to, to, to study and to ponder. <clears throat> Just this thought of no matter where you go in scripture, it's all about Jesus Christ. And you could say, well, Jesus wasn't born until you know, until the book of Matthew, until, you know, 2000 years ago. And I'd say, well, that's right. But he is, he is eternal. He is the triune God, right? It is the father, the son, and the spirit. And it's not that the son just appeared 2000 years ago. The son is eternal. He has forever been. So when you go into creation, right? And God spoke creation. He said, let there be light, right? Paul tells us in his letters that the one who is speaking creation into existence was none other than Jesus himself. John tells us that when Isaiah saw this incredible vision in Isaiah 6, the Lord high and lifted up and the, the train of his robe filled the temple. And of course, the seraphim were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. John says, do, do you know who Isaiah saw? Isaiah saw Jesus. And it's this it's this incredible reality that wherever you go in the Bible, there is one central message, and it's Christ. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 really gets to the very heart of this issue. He says in 1 Corinthians 2.1, Brothers, when I came to you, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Now, he gets to the point in verse 2, what he came proclaiming, what the whole focus of his life and ministry was about. He says, for I determined not to know anything ex among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Later in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, but I fear that somehow as a serpent deceived Eve through his trickery, so your minds might be led astray from the simplicity that is in Christ. See, there's this idea that all of scripture revolves around one main character, God himself. This is all about the reality of our Lord. And our God really took on flesh, became a man and lived as a man. This reality of Jesus Christ and his accomplishment upon the cross, this climactic historical altering everything event where God himself, the perfect sacrifice came and died on our behalf. Do you realize is merely the climax of everything that the Bible is pointing to that the entire of the old Testament is like coming up into the fruition to the climax of the cross. And then the rest of the new Testament is the outflow from that reality. This is all about Jesus and his work upon the cross. In the book of Acts, Philip sees this Ethiopian eunuch and he's riding a chariot and he, he hears him reading Isaiah 53. 
And of course, Philip says, hey, do you, do you recognize what you're reading? And of course, the Ethiopian eunuch says, I, I have no idea. How would I know unless someone explains it to me? And so Philip gets up in the chariot and it says that beginning with this passage in Isaiah 53, Philip proclaimed Jesus to him. Philip looked at Isaiah 53 and said, this is all about Jesus. And it is. <laughs> it is marvelous. So imagine, again, Jesus is walking down this Emmaus road with these two disciples. And as he's walking down the road, he is literally opening up the Old Testament and he's revealing himself to them. He says, do you recognize that everything that Moses and the prophets, and by the way, that's just a language in scripture to talk about the law and the prophets, or another way to just simply say the entirety of the Old Testament, right? He explained to them the things through Moses and the prophets, the, the law and the prophets, through the entirety of the Old Testament, the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And of course, as you follow the story through, right, they go to this Emmaus village and, and of course, he seems to indicate that he's going to go further. And they say, hey, why don't you stay with us and, and have some supper with us? So as, as they ate, it says that they, in verse 31, their eyes were open and they recognized him. And of course, he vanishes out of their sight, <laughs> which is kind of funny. And in verse 32, this, this is the whole crux of the matter here. I love verse 32. They say to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the way and while he opened the scriptures to us? See, there's this great insight that we gain from this passage that as Jesus was opening up the Bible to them and, and as he was expounding the things concerning himself, it says that these disciples, their hearts were burning within as they're hearing the scriptures read and seeing Jesus in light of all the scriptures. See, as we come to this idea of Bible study, what I want you to experience is biblical heartburn. <laughs> that, that as Christians, we should be constantly living in this reality of heartburn. That, that it shouldn't just be, well, yeah, you know, I, I got moved and, oh, I, I found a great nugget or, ooh, I got a goosebump. But the reality of Bible study in the scripture is that, I'm here to see the reality of our God, that I want to get to know the author. And we're, we're going to talk more about this next week, about the key purpose of Bible study. But, but as I come into the word and as I begin to get to know the author and he begins to reveal himself to me through every page of scripture, what begins to happen is that our hearts begin to burn. We have this longing and this craving to know him. And somehow oh, we, we're getting to know him, but it's far more than academic it becomes very intimate. See, you can know a lot about God and never actually know God. But the whole thrust of what we're wanting in Bible study is not just information, it's actually transformation. It's not just academics, it's intimacy. So can I encourage you just to posture your heart before the Lord as you come to Bible study and say, God, I don't want to do this out of duty. I don't want to do this out of obligation. I don't want to do this because it's a have to. I want to do this to know the living God. And I want my heart to burn. I, I, want, I want my affections to be set upon you. I, I want there to, there to be this hunger and this thirst and this craving and this passion for you as I get to know you through the word. See, that is God's heart for you. God wants you to know him. In fact, Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they might know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. 
And again, you've, you've heard me talk about this before, but that word for know, that word knowledge, isn't just academic understanding. It's this word for intimacy and experience. What is eternal life? It's actually experiencing the living God. It's actually having him indwell in your life. He wants you to know him intimately through experience. So again, can I encourage you just on this onset of Bible study, as you, as you move into the summer with this heart of God, I want to know you through your word. Can I encourage you to posture yourself before the Lord and say, God, would you make my heart burn for you? Give me heartburn. Give me spiritual heartburn for the living God. Give me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness that only you can quench. Let me seek after you diligently as a deer pants for streams of water. Oh, like a like a man who needs a cup of cold water in, in a dry and thirsty land. Let me have such a burn within my heart for you like that. Oh, if you would if you would come to scripture with that passion, with that aggression, that that enthusiasm to know the living God, It'll radically, overwhelmingly change how you study the Bible. Because no more will you be coming to it for duty, obligation, I have to. You'll be coming to it because, wow, I get to know the living God. And as I get to know the living God, he is going to radically transform my thinking, my attitude, my emotions, my, my speech, my living. See, you cannot remain the same when you encounter the living God through his living book. Oh, I want that for you. Well, I encourage you to join me over these next couple of weeks as we continue just this discussion, this idea of what does it look like as believers to truly press in and study the Bible well. And next week, we're going to look at specifically the purpose of Bible study and just the importance of knowing why we study the Bible, not just doing it. Well, if you'd like some more helps and information, You can check them out at the show notes for this episode by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash 161 for episode 161. And again, I encourage you to join me next week as we talk more about studying the word of God. But until then, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.